The following is a conversation with Rick Vanover. Rick is Senior Director, Product Strategy at Veeam Software. He's been at the company since 2010 and is a stalwart in the virtualization community and a leader for community in general. Welcome to the show, Rick. Uh, cheers, Anthony. Great to be here. Hey, Rick. And you know, this is the first episode of the reboot of something that you started a long time ago uh, now. And uh, we, we're all getting older, right? I don't want to age you, but effectively, this is now the reboot of the Veeam Community Podcast. And we're now calling it The Sound of Tech to Come. So this is episode one of the reboot. But Rick, I just wanted to basically, you know, firstly, introduce yourselves for people that might not know who you are, which I think is pretty incredible, right? Because everyone should know who you are um, listening to this particular podcast. But for those that may be listening, um, you know, by accident and looking to understand what Veeam is all about, just give some background as to yourself and how you come to be, you know, 13 years at Veeam. Yeah, so the short story is, you know, I was an end user at a bank and I just wanted more. I got bit by the spirit of technical evangelism. And I actually started blogging all the way back in 2001, believe it or not, and then got into like doing webinars, uh, you know, for different vendor brands and then started writing just feverishly. And then I said, well, it's easier to just talk. Let's do some podcasts. And so good old Rich Bramley launched Virtumania like in 2009 or something like that. And I was going with him on Virtumania and then got into InfoSmack and Tech We Trust and, you know, just a couple of different uh, podcast brands. And then in 2010, when I joined Veeam, we launched our own podcast. Mm. So I don't know why so many people used to like listening to me talk, but when I started, <laughs> it was a great additional vehicle for a, a company like Veeam. It was an additional vehicle to, to bring the, the, the voice of the industry, you know, the community perspective, right? That's why we did it. And, you know, I, I let uh, one of the other people on our team hold on to it for a while. And then, you know, you're going to take and lead the reboot, which is great. Uh, I just, you know, uh, and this goes into something we'll talk about later. I just wanted to give others on the team an opportunity to own and lead something, right? That's one of the best things I can ever do as a manager. And so that brings us up here to 2023. Yeah, boom, like like 13 years, <laughs> just like that. But no, but I think, so going back to those early days, like I actually remember, I think from my memory of, of you firstly was on Tech we, in, in Tech We Trust. So what was that podcast all about? Well, you know, hats off to Nigel Poulton, right, who's then gone a different direction with Kubernetes in his career. It actually started when there was actually kind of this flock of bloggers, because blogging was a lot more rare in the 2000s. But we had this flock of bloggers, you know, Blogger Days, the very first Tech Field Day, I was a delegate there and things like that. It was a really small group of who's the no of do no type of thing. And I was just lucky, right place, right time, right? So I had these early connections to to experts and leaders and stuff. And, you know, it's really cool to watch these people grow in their careers and stuff. And so my thought was just just go with it and, and really just embrace this extracurricular because that was always, if I go back to the time before I joined me, all this podcasting and evangelism stuff was always more fun than my day job. Isn't that the way? Like, I, and I think you know that's that's we in this world always. Um, if we if we feel like it's our hobby, which obviously it is, we look for these extracurricular activities. And, and blogging and podcasting was one of them. Um, certainly, when I I think I first started blogging, 
actually, it was after I came back. I remember very vividly, I came back from the, the World Cup in Germany in, in 2006. And during that time, I started just like a diary. Um, so I put up a WordPress site back then, or maybe it was even PHP Nuke or something crazy. I'm, I'm really dating myself there. Um, and then I just basically put the blog up and it got it got a few hits and reading. And I thought, you know, this is this is this is something that I like doing. And then obviously, because I was in IT at the time, I thought, let's transcend that or let's move that into a blog that is based on tech. Um, and from there, it kind of just skyrocketed. And I think what it gives us or gives people is the ability to, you know, write about stuff that we love, but also help people. I think that's the biggest part of this spirit of evangelism as you like to call it is you know sharing being part of a community being part of like-minded individuals but there's a collective advantage in being in that sort of space as well well it's an opportunity for ownership and in my story of how i started blogging actually isn't too far off um, i remember it vividly it was late the year 2000 and i was reading an article on the website tech republic which is still pretty still going. you know how yeah still going brand and uh you know they had these little things at the bottom email the editor and so i did and i'm like listen jim this content is wrong this guy does this individual doesn't know what they're talking about you know what jim's response was can you write that i'm like right there that was the birth of ricketron right and so um I started with Tech Republic and it, without a doubt, was the single thing that probably put me on a career trajectory here. And, and you're just like you said, if you have the opportunity to get involved in the discussion, in the direction of this technology ecosystem, as big it is, as big as it is now, even to this day, there's still room for one or many more. And then you get into the different conversation of filtering out the noise, right? Because that becomes a little bit of a problem nowadays. But, you know, th those early moves, so impactful. Literally, it just started from an email the editor at the bottom. Look at that. Yeah. And to be honest with you, if, if, if I parallel a little bit of, you know, my direction as well, those little emails are the key and those little questions that you ask along the way um, are so huge when I think about the jump from, um, my previous to the previous to the last company to here, um, every little step of the way has actually been built on stuff that or content that I've created online and people have been interested in that, right? And even, um, you know, the fact that I'm here interviewing you now is incredible because, I mean, you were a very big part of, you know, me landing this, this role at Veeam, right? But, it, I mean, obviously that comes from just the body of work that that I produce, that you produce, that other people produced, that gets noticed at times, right? So I guess we're, we're, we're sort of moving into this whole, we're talking about content and evangelism and brand advocacy, um, but it's such an important thing to grab onto and run with if you love technology, but also if you want to further your career, I think as well, because I once was at a Veeam, oh, was it Veeam on or was it, it was probably a VM, uh, VMworld. Someone told me, you never know who's interviewing you, okay? And I think that works on multiple levels where it works on, you know, from a blog perspective or even if you're doing a podcast, this is now your CV. It's out there. It's the data you create. It's out there for people to read. Um, I, I don't know if you're going to get in trouble for this, Rick, but I don't even think I handed in a CV for the role at Veeam. Uh, eh, uh, global HR, uh, plead, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't remember the mechanics of it for sure, but I can confirm the, 
the body of work that goes in externally. I love that quote. You know, you never know who's interviewing you. Um, the best indicator of you know future behavior is prior behavior, right? But you have to kind of also take that with a grain of salt. And this is kind of one of my secret tips to to doing this, right? I'm a big fan of. There's a whole methodology called product-led growth, and product-led growth is one of those methodologies that. Um, a lot of different groups put out a lot of information on it, but the shortest story is feedback, evangelism, product market seeding, like getting the product in the hands of people to use it. These disciplines, these practices, don't usually sit like in uh, the revenue funnels. It doesn't sit, you know, it sits adjacent, but it doesn't sit in marketing demand gen, nurturing funnels, right? Yeah. It becomes these these disciplines of like you know when's the last time you and i talked about leads yeah exactly uh you know it's just one of those things that we don't focus as a product team now we're not product managers but we work with them we're not product marketing but we work with them we are you know community advocates and you know devrel you know one of the people on our team kind of does that a little bit so you know these these outbound things this product-led growth is this umbrella is going out and doing our mission these types of things make the difference when you think about these broader kind of advocacy programs. And and, and in the end, it, it consequentially scratches that itch of these extracurriculars that are a little bit more fun than the day job. Like, I don't miss being on call. I know <laughs> you don't. Neither do I. No, no. That's one of the big things there. As, as much as I loved it um, and, and I loved solving problems, to be honest with you, I did. I didn't like it, but I loved solving problems, especially if there was a major event. Like I, I was pretty lucky in my last, you know, role that I was sort of the, the final escalation point. But that usually meant that stuff was really broken, <laughs> and you had to. But I, I actually liked the challenge of that. So it's funny because I, I often ask myself whether I, I do truly miss it, I, and in some cases I do because I loved being able to solve a very difficult problem and. You know, back then it was all about getting uh, a hosting platform back online, which meant that people could actually, you know, operate their businesses as an example. So, you know, there was a lot riding on that. But yeah, to answer your question, I do not miss it at all. And I much prefer what I'm doing now. Um, but I think let, let's go back to product-led growth because I think you just got me thinking about a very interesting and pertinent question. It's like, what, what do you do? Like, I, I get that question all the time, right? How, what KPIs do you have? Are you a te- are you a technical marketing engineer? Are you in you know are you an architect? Or it's a very strange world where this product leg growth team sits, um, and I have a hard time explaining it. So not that I'm going to ask you to explain it, and this will be the end sort of dictionary sort of version of it. But how would you explain what you do, what we do, what other people that sort of are in this space actually do? Yeah, so I guess the best way to explain product-led growth, um, and then secondly, that strategy coupled by the things that people see that Veeam product strategy evangelist types do. The best way to explain it is just a special middle, all right? We are a special middle. This is a group, uh, especially the technologists, the, the, the CTO, field CTOs that we have. They're a special middle that can talk to a CIO of our company, they can talk to an architect, they can talk to an admin, they can talk to a selling partner, they can talk to the press and the analyst. You know, so it's a real special middle. 
that sits in, you know, if you look at Veeam, we're at 55 or so hundred people worldwide. I just did some bad math here. That's 0.003% of all a product strategy. And that's considering that we have, you know, three three or so people that are like program people. They're not even those special middle types. So um, I think special middle is the best way to do it. I mean, some salespeople say, uh, like one person was like, Ricketron is my favorite closing tool. You know, I don't like being called a tool, but I know what he meant, <laughs> you know. So things like that. Special middle is the best way to kind of verbalize it. Yeah, I think so. And um, I also look at it as a, as, as a perspective of, well, this sort of role and this role exists in other companies without question or this group exists in other companies probably i think veeam has a very unique take on it and i think that we support a different type of community and i'm going to ask you a little bit about that in the next question but the way that um one of the guys used to be on our team who now works at another company a big public cloud company he knows who he is if he's listening um he said like we're the seal team right we can come in at the start we can come in at the end but effectively, that's that's kind of how it is. You know, there's a SEAL team that comes in and uses all the broad experience of content creation, product knowledge, uh, relationships, um, talking to press and media, and just leveraging all of that to, for the good of the company. Effectively, that's why we do it because, you know, we're 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 here to work for. Yeah, you know, we love what we do, but we also have a, a certain buy-in to the company as well. And we love what we do at Veeam. We love the technology. We love the people, and that I think shows in this team. Um, just out of interest, so what, sticking with Veeam, this is a Veeam podcast, right? Um, what, what does community mean for Veeam? It means a lot of things. Um, you know, I, I was talking internally and I was using the phrase community with a capital C and community with a lowercase c. So I'll start with the lowercase c, right? And I, I think that a lot of times the word community gets confused with audience right and so some of the points you just mentioned one of the best ways i like to verbalize it is like hey i i talk to people who use the product right and so that type of credibility and one step further if i'm talking to someone in marketing or these other types i will match that person up you want to hear it don't listen to me listen to them right so the, this broader audience right knowing who uses our product because you have to know that the person that we deal with most is someone that is a technical persona and uses the product. So there's what I would call lowercase c, community, the audience. You know, decision makers are part of it. But then you look into the capital C community. And that is kind of the, you know, the, I, don't have a, I don't have a word in the dictionary for that, okay? But, you know, you, those of you who know me know I make up a lot of words. But the best way to explain capital C community is that the target that you want. They are, you know, much like the technologist evangelist type is that special middle. These capital C community people are, you know, those those gems that stick out. They're the people in the the session that you give a presentation to that asks the best comment or even better or ask the best question or even better answer other people's questions in really good ways and things like that and um almost the reverse of your point of you never know when you're being interviewed you, you know good talent when you see it right so like these individuals um it's the spirit of technical evangelism kind of kicks in where you see these individuals that are 
you know, going above and beyond, have a, a, a bigger view and a bigger sense. And you look at that really in two different ways. Number one, I look at that as talent acquisition. Oh, can I hire that person? Wait, I already did that for you. And then two, then you get into situations like if I want to build a broader Veeam community, it's really effective if I have, you know, a, a, a just a community relationship with this huge catchment of experts. And, and the hard part is you got to find them where they live. You know, there's some really good Veeam fans on Reddit. Reddit's borderline uncomfortably anonymous, but there's people talking about it every day. Spiceworks as well. Um, there's blogs. There's podcasts. There's um, there's social media like Twitter and LinkedIn type of discussions, right? There, you know, it's like there's so much out there. And then then Veeam makes their own properties, right? The people, the Veeam forums and the Veeam community hubs and things like that. So you gotta like find the capital C community, and sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's hard, and when it's hard, it's really hard. It, uh, I've used a, a word back in the Rectionary. I used this phrase for a long time. Some of this stuff is what I would call defendably subjective, and what How'd I mean by that, that I, yep, it's one of the Rick, uh, the Rickisms. But basically, the thought is, you know, uh, it's, it's like I don't have a pregnancy test, but I know she's pregnant. Okay, you know it when you see it. You know a fan, and you know that type when you see it. But I also know that that's not a sustainable practice. So I look at other capital C community efforts, and I'm working very diligently to get a lot more of a data-driven approach. And this is hard. This is really hard. In fact, it's by far the hardest part of taking evangelism, this, this embracing these communities and stuff, taking it to that next level. Because you you kind of need it. I mean, I it's I don't Veeam is too big of an ecosystem to say, you know, all of Rick and Anthony and Michael's friends are the the you know the experts and the the biggest capital C. That's not scalable. I I want to find the people that you know are answering questions for us on Reddit and, and other properties and the people that are you know sharing incredible content or you know being that go-to speaker at vmon and stuff like that right so these data-driven models um are hard <laughs> so i had to hire people to help out with it. <laughs> yeah and so. i think um just just on that i think what we've done veeam and yourself is, is try and expand even the basics of what it is to be community and advocacy because you know, the um, I was part of this initial uh, intake of what was the Veeam Vanguard back in 20, I think it was 2015, 2015. 2015 right? Um, so that's the, how do you go from effectively doing it yourself? Because you were, you were an evangelist um, with a couple of others there um, and, and leading the way in the truest sense. And then obviously the Vanguard program comes in because I think it was slightly modeled on what was happening in the industry when you look at the V experts back in the day and what other, what other vendors were doing. But what it is now compared to that is is, is crazy. It, it's so much more valuable. I think I can say that. This is a Veeam podcast, so I'm going to definitely say that. It's Tell us a little bit about the early days of the Vanguard program. And then obviously we will go, go in and talk about how that's evolved but also how you've looked to basically think, well, this is good, but it's not quite enough. It's not reaching what I want to reach in terms of that lowercase and capital C. So first we talk about the Vanguard program and then we'll hit that other question around you know, what we're doing today. 
Yeah, so oh, now you, you hit me with the heavy questions deep into it. So um, I want to say it was October or November 2014. Uh, just the weirdest thing happened. I We were fresh off of our very first VMON. And my previous boss at the time, Doug Hazelman, VM Doug, uh, you know, the very first evangelist at Veeam had like a, a, a back issue of some sort. I can't quite remember, but literally on a Friday, called me up, said, Rick, I, I, can, I'm, I can work, but I can't travel because I can't sit in a plane and my back is not right. I need you Monday to go to Boston and New York and go on a, a press and analyst road show with our co-founder. Oh, okay. You know, I'm going to say yes, right? I'm in between one of the meetings at uh, one of the big analyst firms in Boston. And our co-founder is looking out the window, just thinking. He goes, Rick, we're ready. And I'm like, what? Ready to go? Our meeting start? I thought we had an hour. No. We're ready to launch an MVP type program. He's like, we have new products because VMON 2014, we announced the agent for Windows, right? Outside of a virtualization. So I would challenge that was the birth of the platform, right? Outside of virtualization because we had Hyper-V. Then we added physical windows with the endpoint product. We also are ready because we have uh, an event. We have a VMON. We have this partner user conference experience, right? And so I was given the charge there in the fourth quarter of 2014. And then kind of in stealth, you might remember when I reached out in 2015, I'm like, we're launching something new. Keep it on the hush hush type of thing. And then, you know, we launched it, I want to say in May of 2015. And at that time, one of the people, Kirsten, on our team, uh, who's been with us, this will be nine years for her, right out of school. Uh, and by the way, no technology background. Now she's an outstanding technologist, right? You just put people into these situations and they'll grow. And um, she helped me a lot with the program operations, right? And we've scaled. And then she kind of, she got to a point like in her own career, she's like, do I want to be a technologist or do I want to keep doing these program things? And she went the technologist route. And that's great that I give people that choice, you know? But we, we, we built on that program and, you know, we came up with the Veeam Vanguard program. And again, defendably subjective for a generation or so. And then in 2020, uh, we started... Uh, the bigger Veeam started an additional program and invested in the community hub. And a long story short, we had this other program, Legends program. And super data-driven, super, like, um, you know, clear on the criteria. And so I've kind of gotten to this point. And then we had door number three. We had, what about our employees who kind of behave that way, right? Now, it's different for, like, Anthony, the former Vanguard on the team. He's basically functioning like that still is part of his job but we have systems engineers we have support people we have others who behave like that where it's not part of their job so then we added door number three what we call the veeam mvp program okay so we have these three kind of community programs that my team along with some of the others in the business we co-lead and i collectively have called that capital c community i call it the veeam 100 series of programs so these three programs are basically the 100-ish most you know influential expertise rich well-spoken rock stars in the world in the veeam community and, and it, it, we thought it was important also to recognize the employees because some of them do outstanding work um so that walks us into 
you know, where capital C community, what it is today, how we got there and, and stuff like that. Now, that's, that's tied back really well. Um, and the program, you know, evolved, it, it evolved brilliantly. Uh, it's very niche in terms of, well, when I say niche, it, it just means that, you know, there's, it's very selective in the way that we bring in individuals. And, you know, you, you have to basically earn your stripes, especially for that. Um, and it's a little bit more like it, it's subjective when it comes to the vanguards. The V100, oh, sorry, the, um, the, the Legends, Legends is a lot more data driven and also the MVP. And we brought all these people together to create this, um, this really tight knit group that help each other, the true spirit of community, internal evangelism. But then we obviously want it to then go outward. Um, and this is leading into my, my next question because obviously, you know, you and I started blogging. Um, you were like massively ahead of your time in terms of podcasting and whatnot. Um, you know, it's just, you're like the, you're like the forerunner for everything that's here. It's like I was hearing a stat that even in Australia alone, uh, I'd like to look at this in a global sort of way. But it's an it's an eighty million dollar advertisement industry in Australia alone now. It's, wow. it's serious, right? Um, so yeah, it's it's crazy. People just go podcast. Yep, cool. Let's go listen to that. Um, what do you think though the state of influencing is today versus what it was you know first go back to 2010 and then go back to 2015 when the vanguard program started so what's the state has it changed in 10 years oh, of course it's changed it's a whole new game um and and that's if i think metrics on influencer programs are hard and really hard this is even harder and the only practical choice is to embrace the change i mean there's uh, it's a losing battle otherwise and, and i'm not saying that as any type of concession i'm saying that of uh, there are still people like old people like me that aren't getting their tech information on TikTok, and they aren't you know on tuesday twitches and stuff like that so the only way to solve that, and, and this walks, it does get a little bit maybe heavily North American, but like I've taken diversity in the team really seriously. And we have people uh, that are really young in their career uh, on our team. And we have people that have very different backgrounds and people who do that kind of stuff, you know, like there's one person, Julia, who just joined our team. She's really good at the the vlogging and these uh really she's got social share she's got that down right so i need to bring that onto the team and i need to like cross-pollinate it and this actually kind of scratches into a deeper thing yes the social share the influencing is multimodal it's different now but if you look at the the mechanics of a team if i take veeam product strategy right now today there's 17 people in the team that's 136 different lines of communication and 136 individual relationships from one person to the 16 others 16 times around 17 times around so my thought is we have to embrace these or else we're going to just fall off a cliff right the best thing you can ever do is, is develop a team and, and prepare others for these situations i love the dynamic of, of you know some different point of view you know i'll listen to anybody i'm very patient like that so a piece of life life advice be patient uh when new ideas are in the mix and then secondly you know the younger people and the the newer type of influencer strategy people can you know gain from that so take a look at at veeam product strategy you got dave russell former distinguished analyst at gartner 
you know, involved in every iteration of the Gartner MQ since its existence. And then we have one person, Sophia, this is her first job right out of college. Yeah. You know, we've got everything in between those 17 people, right? And I think that that actually doesn't just solve that, you know, influence challenge. Those types of moves will actually make diversity and in, in mindsets equal and um, easier to achieve. And what I mean by that is by naturally looking for what matters, like if I real simple, if I'm looking for someone new on my team, I need somebody that's humble, hungry, and smart. That doesn't predicate any, you know, social media style or any gender or any ethnic background or any location. If I look for humble, hungry, and smart and know how to sniff that out, and build a team of people that are each humble, hungry, and smart, I should naturally have a variety of experiences. I should naturally have a variety of of styles and things like that. And so in the end, I'm actually building this, this team with that mindset that solves a bigger problem than just the... Um, you know, just the new content styles, but you have to embrace it is the short answer. Yeah, and I think embracing is the right way to look at it as well. I think um, for a lot of the older guys like you and I, you know. Yeah, I'm old. I retire next decade. Yeah, so. you know, there we go. Yeah, you and me, you and me both. Um, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like I think we have to embrace the change and not be scared of it because I know for myself, I look at, you know, the different platforms. I get, as you know, major FOMO, major agitator. Um, just thinking about oh, how do I keep up? How do I deal with the up and comers? And I don't want to say ankle biters because I think that's the wrong way to look at it. it right, but that's how I used to do it. I don't do it do that anymore because you got to embrace this. You have to understand that you can't, you know, you can't do everything the same way that someone who is generationally different and been brought up in a different way to you. Um, and I think, and I think when content creation that's it's 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 so highlighted there i mean i look at youtube as an example and i see these people that they've got like you know a thousand two thousand twenty thousand hundred thousand followers or subscribers on youtube and they just attract them and and they're kind of sitting there and all they're doing is they're typing on their computer and they're building like a program or they're showing walking through a particular solution and they've got live streams going and they've got literally thousands of people on there and then I go and look at, you know, some of my channels and I'm going, well, you know, cool. I've got like 500 subscribers. That's awesome. You know, there's such a different mindset. And I, I, there's, there's some sort of disconnect between how they do it and how I say I do it. But that's not to say that I'm doing it wrong. It's just to say that I'm doing it differently. Um, and I think that's the hardest thing for us as sort of more established sort of, I guess you could say influencers, content creators, um, people who are in these tech tech companies. We have to make sure that we're okay with the fact that other people are just going to come on and offer a different perspective and a different way of building that content, of facilitating the content. It's all the same at the end of the day in terms of the outcome. When we look at sort of for Veeam, for tech industry for an advocacy program it's all about making sure that the brand is there and is, is front of mind right yeah and i think another kind of angle i would add to that is i think a lot of people who get that fomo and i get it too anthony i look at some things i'm like oh i want that viral tweet i want that viral funny video or you know a webinar um, actually got a funny story to tell you see i'm watching the clock i'll see if i can squeeze it in but one thing i've learned is 
you will feel this way too. You you should probably relate to this. And then the audience, you should potentially relate to this as well. I learned a long time ago that you can feel like you can do anything. But the reality is you don't have to do it all. And that was really sage life advice that I got from Doug Hazelman as well. And that really translated to, okay, focus on what you want to focus on and grow that. Don't work on 55. Uh, this is funny coming from me. Don't work <laughs> on 55 other things. Take, you know, half of that and do those really well type of thing, right? Um, but I think focusing and intentionality and, and just also, this is me being a people leader, giving other people a chance to grow and thrive in that. You know, but if you think about some of those YouTube stars, a lot of times that's their job. You know, they put so much into those videos, the production quality and stuff like yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, that's a whole different jam, right? I mean, that's a lifestyle, right? And that's, um, I want, I got some YouTubers, travel bloggers I like, and I'm like, it's basically what they call, a, what they call it, a busman's holiday, where <laughs> I go home and drink a beer and watch YouTube on the telly here. And it's about somebody getting on a plane and travel blogging it. I'm like, wait, didn't I just do that two days ago? That is so interesting, isn't it? And I think, <laughs> and, and hey, to be honest with you, this this new podcast, you know, that the sound of tech to come as we've rebranded it, um, we're going to push this across multiple platforms as well. It's going to be on all the podcast platforms, um, you know, pushed out um, to everything, Google, Spotify. That's why we're doing a video as well, because now we've got video podcasts, which is like a big thing, right? But we are going to put this on YouTube as well. So maybe, Rick, maybe we could go viral um, with Maybe. this very, very first episode of the sound of tech to come. But um, <laughs> hey, just to finish off, because yeah, time is checking down. I just wanted you to just give a plug for, for Vmon that's coming because obviously this episode is going to be released sometime in the future and that will be before Vmon 2023. And, and you're obviously very much involved in that. Um, we're going to have a studio there. We're going to be doing this podcast. So look out for that. But just give us a little bit of a quick wrap up of Vmon and your expectations for the 2023 event in Miami. Yeah, Veeamon, Veeam's annual customer and partner conference hybrid event. So you can get a virtual experience for free anywhere in the world, even local time zones across the world. Uh, super, super rich experience going to be at the Miami uh, on-site experience. Just today, actually, internally, we got to a, let's just call it a majority readiness of the content for the event. So like you know, five swim lanes represented. We've got our core platform, we've got the public cloud, Microsoft 365, Salesforce, Kubernetes, and then an asterisk. We actually have community and kind of softer side of life things actually getting a seat at the table here too. So uh, great experience learning. We're gonna have previews of next generation capabilities and V12 had been in the market for a while at that time. So some best practices. So um, if you like green, that's the place to go. Awesome. Great stuff. Well, hey, Rick, thanks for being on this very first episode of The Sound of Tech to Come. It was a great conversation. I think, you know, that's it. That's the whole idea behind this podcast. It's going to be a podcast that's going to be varied. We're going to talk to a number of different people, not only within Veeam. I'm looking to get product managers. I'm looking for marketing people in sales organization. It's, it's, it's a big mix of people within Veeam, but also externally. I'm looking to grab people from, you know, our, our ecosystem partners and general tech and people doing cool stuff with that technology. So that's it. That's why it's called The Sound of Tech to Come. Um, this was really about almost the past, but I, I wanted to make sure that we transitioned 
well and we got a little bit of the backstory and obviously you know people got to learn a little bit about Ricketron and the, and the, and the Ricket how do you say it the diary I, I can't even pronounce it the Rictionary the, the Wikipedia the Wiktionary, the Wikipedia everything like yeah. that this, this is this is what we deal with people on a daily basis so here you go <laughs> you've got a little taste of it but hey Rick thanks for being on and this has been the sound of tech to come mm-hmm.